Hey guys, it's Jessica. And this is Kendra. And you're listening to Lucid Lab. We're not going to talk much on this episode because we had no idea that part one, which we didn't know would be part one, <laughs> was going to be part one. Because when we started recording for John Bonet, we thought we would be able to make it into one. But we didn't. Not too long into recording, like our fourth hour. We're yes. like, mm, no, <laughs> not this, this isn't happening. So we're not going to have, hey guys, it's another week. Because it's not. It's not another week. <laughs> We've been sitting here for 10 hours. Not really. So. But close. We didn't want to cut out anything of the John Bonet case. There's yeah. too much there. We want to bring it all to you. So we're going to go back into it now. And we're not going to wait. So here, here it you is. go. We made you wait a week because we needed that week. <laughs> Guess what, guys? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And let's get into part two of John Bonet. Okay. Kick it off, lady. I'm going to start with the intruder theory. Okay. This was the one propagated by Lou Smits mostly, and it's what the district attorney would wish was true. <laughs> Damn it. We didn't do enough to make this happen. <laughs> the main thing that started the intruder theory is that there was an unidentified boot mark left in the basement room where John Benet's body was found. Uh, construction workers. It was a high-tech boot, which is a very specific style of boot. But as you just said, Jessica, <laughs> and what I brought up before, there were construction workers all over this right. house. They know that they were down in the basement. It would make sense. And just because there is a footprint next to the body does not mean that they are connected. Right. That boot print could have been there six months before her body was. Right. It and seemed, they have no way to know. It seems like a cold, left, typically left-alone, dusty area. Yes, it was. I don't give a lot of credence to the footprint, but I want to talk about these because this is a theory that's out there and a lot of people believe it. The other big piece of the intruder theory is that broken window that I'd mentioned. Mm -hmm. That is the area that Lou Smits believed that the intruder entered the home. It was an elf. It would have to be a very small person. <laughs> There was unknown DNA found on John Bonet's body, particularly on her white long johns and then also on her panties. Because it wasn't her panties. Where did the fuck did they come from? These are the kinds of things. There are so many parts of this case where there's really no explanation. I'll talk about the panties and where they might have come from, but those are a weird one. Smith's theory was that someone entered the Ramsey home through the broken basement window. Critics have questioned this theory because there was an intact cobweb in the basement window. Mm -hmm. The detectives from the Boulder Police Department tried to recreate this over and over and they could not get through the window without disturbing like everything. Didn't they even use like the smallest person available yes. to do it? The steel grate that covered the window well also had undisturbed cobwebs and the foliage around the grate had been undisturbed. So for all of those things to be true at once mm -hmm. and just like this person perfectly got through the window, not very likely. And also, if you know you're coming to abduct John Bonet, she has a balcony that you can literally just like climb up the side mm -hmm. and get to her room. So Without I don't know making why. all the noise from clamoring from the basement and going up the stairs to go find her. And this is why I get frustrated with this case, because they hired this detective, Lou Smith, specifically to come up with these theories. And then you get into the whole, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, this put so much doubt into a jury's mind mm -hmm. that they could never convict a family member if that's who you believe did it. I feel like this was done deliberately by the DA's office and the Ramsey family to cast out. 
because this stuff to me is very far-fetched but I'll keep going because I was in all the Reddit forums and there are a lot of people who believe somebody came in that night and killed John Bonet. Well because in all honesty it makes sense given who John Bonet was that an intruder would come to do something with her and when you look at how many sexual offenders live in just a couple neighborhoods it's totally fucking possible. I get that and no one wants to believe that a family would do this to their own kid. Correct. That's the biggest part of it I think. But we'll go into statistics about child murder. Oh, yeah. It's most definitely the family it's almost over always the intruders. Family. <laughs> yeah. Just like most women are murdered by the person closest to them. That's Correct. why boyfriends and significant others are always looked at first. Right. Lou Smith believed that the intruder subdued John Binet using a stun gun and took her down to the basement. He believes this because of the two marks that are on the front and the back that I mentioned before. They are two little round dots, perfectly symmetrical and at a length that fit to one kind of stun gun that was out on the mark called something that I don't think I've written down. It was like an air air tag or something like that. Not an air tag because that's Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Some specific brand that he traced it to. However, critics will say that stun gun would leave burn marks and she did not have burn oh, marks. Okay. And I was going to say I wouldn't put it past a rich person to have a stun gun. Yeah. In whatever way that they want to have it. And also I would question why the front and the back? One would be enough to subdue a little girl. That seems overkill. So he thinks that they subdued her and their whole plan was to take her down to the basement to assault her. Or he believes they could have been taking her out as an actual kidnapping and then something happened and it was botched and it went wrong and then she died. How does it get botched? This one's hard for... I'm trying here, guys. Anybody who <laughs> believes this, obviously you know probably where I'm going to lean <laughs> both of us <laughs> and we really have not talked about this no you know we, we were kind we of laughing about away it. from it we have not mentioned who we think it is I kind of feel like we're going to end up in the same place so far Lou Smith once again wanted to believe that the Ramses were innocent because of the whole Christian bias yeah That's and the they bought him a yacht do. though They did not do that, that I know of. As part of this theory, the window that was broken, there was a suitcase underneath it. It was a very large suitcase and there was glass on top of it. Okay. Which take that how you will, because if there was glass on top of it, that means the window was probably broken after the suitcase was placed there. Mm -hmm. Lou Smith believes that the suitcase was either going to be used to take John Bonet out of the house or that they pushed the suitcase suitcase over to help themselves climb up back into the window to escape back out the same way that they came in. But there was glass on top of the suitcase. So to me, there's something off there. It sounds like just really bad thoughts and planning last second. Yeah. Push this over here. Maybe that'll look like something. Maybe. Somebody was staging. The other thing about the suitcase is that when they opened it up, it had a blanket inside of it that was stained. And when they tested the blanket, it was stained with semen from John Andrew. What? And this is the whole reason I don't know if this is in everything, but when I found this, I was like, I got to throw this in there. This is why John Andrew was at some point a suspect. Oh, okay. Does he come and stay? He just had a a night of fun by himself? Well, they actually found out that John Andrew and Melinda would come and stay in the house all the time when the family would leave and they would bring friends over and they would all stay in John Bonet and Burke's bedrooms because that's where the beds were. So they were like, yeah, this could have been a blanket that he used when he was there and maybe he had some fun with somebody. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Who knows? But it was not connected to the crime. Other than that, it was an empty suitcase. So for you to assume that a man who came in to abduct a little girl could stand on an empty suitcase and like his weight would be supported by it. I think that's stupid. 
I immediately thought of that. I'm like, suitcases are not boxes. No. Like, well, it's going to collapse like a cardboard box without anything in it. It's not exactly. stable whatsoever. <laughs> and I just don't see you putting even John Bonet's body inside of the suitcase because I have pictures of it. It's not that large. I don't think okay. you could have fit a 50 pound six year old in it. And it would be harder to carry a 50 pound body in a suitcase. Like there's other ways to transport a body out of the house. And I don't think the suitcase makes sense personally. Other pieces that support the intruder theory is that there were consultations with cybercrime specialists that argued John Bonet was in the child pageant scene and she had attracted the attention of child pornographers and pedophiles. This is scary if you're ever thinking about putting your child in the pageant scene. A lot of them show up at those pageants and and follow them. And there are several stories when I was listening to the podcast that believed in the intruder theory. They talk about all these creepy men that would show up at the pageants and how some of them were watching John Bonet. And there was one woman who said that there was some man just like watching her like in a way that she thought it was the father oh, because of how much he was admiring he was, like, proud her. of her and... and she said oh are you John Bonet's father and she said the guy just kind of looked at her and she realized oh no he's not I don't disregard any of that she may yes. have had these creeps that looked at her yes. I mean I don't deny that whatsoever there are like Steve Thomas said men collecting pictures of her that's gross to do horrible things it, but with. it just doesn't mean that they're the ones that actually did it I completely believe that there are people even ones who aren't the creeps who are like really creepy about it yeah men who aren't as forthcoming with who they are probably looked at her too I hate it I hate it so much how prevalent it is oh it bugs me It was also determined that there had been more than 100 break-ins in the Ramsey's neighborhood the months before John Bonet's murder. There were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile radius of the Ramsey's home. So (laughs) those are some statistics. Honestly, I bet that could be said of almost any of our houses. I don't even want to know about where I live right now. You don't want to know. For all I know, it's the person right next door, and that will change everything in my life. So when I used to move to new areas, there was a website called The Family Watch dog and mm-hmm. you could go on and it would show you all of the sex offenders in the area and you could actually see their pictures and what they had been convicted of and it is still live today and everyone should look at it. I'm going to look at it right now while you continue talking. You're going to cry because to. Jessica everywhere that I've moved <laughs> there's never been anywhere that's safe. Oh They're I know. Everywhere. So Lou presented his theory to the district attorneys and he thought the intruder had seen John Bonet during one of her public appearances. He entered the home through the broken basement window while the Ramseys were at the White's house for the party. He roamed around the house and learned the layout. He then found a home tour brochure and learned more about the family. He found the Sharpie and Patsy's tablet and wrote the ransom note while he was waiting for them to come home. This just doesn't seem real to me. No. Then he hid in the basement and waited. Around midnight, when the house went quiet, he went upstairs to John Bonet's room. He immobilized her with a stun gun, placed duct tape across her mouth, and carried her to the basement. I mean, this shit can happen. We've seen movies about stuff like this. But does the evidence point to it? I don't Mm -hmm. think so. Yep. He planned to remove her from the home in the Samsonite suitcase. He left the note on the spiral staircase. In the basement, he found Patsy's paintbrush and made himself a garrote. Too impatient to wait, he simultaneously sexually assaulted John Bonet and strangled her in some sort of autoerotic fantasy. John Bonet regained consciousness, screamed, and fought her attacker, getting the unidentified DNA beneath her fingernails. When? You said there wasn't any. So the DNA, I 
haven't got to this part either because there's just too much in this case. There was DNA found beneath John Bonet's fingernails, but as I said, there was no signs of it actually being like somebody's skin or DNA from her grabbing an assailant. Because if she had like tried to fight for her life, there would have been like skin cells. The DNA under yeah. her fingernails, she's a six year old child. She probably doesn't wash her hands that well. They never freaking do. And then it as could parents, be you have to be like, you have to remember, you have to like physically look at their hands some days. And yes. you're like, come here, let me clean your fingernails so you don't look like a freaking homeless child. <laughs> and that's what they said. They're like, there is no connect. It's kind of like the footprint in my mind, the DNA under her fingernails. Mm-hmm. It's not to me relevant to the case. Yeah. But Lou Smits did use that in his theory. He struck her on the head, possibly with the black flashlight. So Lou Smits believes she was strangled before she was hit on the head, which also doesn't go with the evidence. Then he fled through the basement window, taking the remaining cord, duct tape, and the stun gun with him. Because I haven't even got into this yet either. The cord and the duct tape that were used on JonBenet were never found inside the house. Oh, that is interesting. Pam took it. No, it wasn't found when they searched before she went there. This is going to come up when I talk about the family theory. We did have John Ramsey disappear for an hour, so a lot of people believe he disposed of these uh, items. Okay. Smith later expanded on his theory to Time Magazine. He suggested the garrote is a favored tool of pedophiles. He also theorized that the intruder asked for the random amount of $118,000 because he planned to flee to Mexico, where that sum would roughly equal a million Mexican pesos. <laughs> like, if you want to believe one thing, you can make the evidence fit it in a way. I, I know, but it seems very interesting that someone would do an equivalent in U.S. dollars versus Mexican dollars, but be unable to spell certain words. And we haven't even talked about what $118,000 means to the family yet. That's going to come up in the family theory. Okay. Because I have another reason for that $118,000. It Just was to wait. Patsy's angel number. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Smith also thought that the pineapple in John Binet's system could have come from a Tupperware bowl that was found in her room. Mm. I think this one's a stretch too, not gonna lie. These are the people specifically that have come up over the years as suspects for John Binet's murder. So the first one that comes up is Gary Oliva. He's a real piece of shit. He was a 32-year-old known sex offender in Boulder, Colorado when John Binet was found strangled to death. The convicted pedophile had been living in the area on and off when police allegedly found a magazine cutout of John Binet Ramsey in his backpack after he was apprehended on drug charges in 2000. Soon after he was arrested, Oliva's high school friend Michael Vale stepped forward with an allegation stating that not long after John Binet's murder, a distraught Oliva had called him on the phone and confessed to him that he had hurt a little girl. Oh, maybe John Binet was his fantasy and he needed to do it to someone else. Could have been. You know, he just... took it out on another little girl. This friend Vale revealed to a magazine that he was particularly unsettled by how the knots used to fashion the garrote that strangled John Binet were similar to those used in an incident where Oliva had attempted to choke his own mother with a telephone cord. Uh... Oliva was also rumored to have possible connections to a theory that links the marks found on John Binet's body to an encounter with the stun gun. Oliva had one on him at the time of his arrest. That is interesting. I do think of any of the intruder theories, this guy seems like he possible. The fact that he called his friend and said he hurt a little girl it like sounds the like day after. That's why. But was it the day after she died? He can't remember the exact date. Okay. 
And there's so many freaks that when a murder happens, they want to take responsibility. So he could have seen this on the news in some way. So he could have seen it on the news and been like, oh, my God, this is my fantasy and called his friend. Who knows? For the intruder theory, the big piece that is used and continues to be used to rule people out is some DNA that was found on JonBenet's body. I mentioned in the very beginning when I was reading the Boulder police statement that there is DNA on her body. It is a very, very, very small amount and it is touch DNA. It is not semen. It is not any kind of like real bodily fluid. It's not blood. It's not something that is like a dead ringer to help you find. And she just came from a party. And her body was moved from the basement upstairs and put on a couch where who knows who touched the couch. Mm -hmm. Touch DNA. I'm so glad you already did the episode with Arpana. Like Mm -hmm. there's so many reasons there could be DNA on her body. Right. There was unknown male DNA found on her white long johns and on the inside of her panties. Okay, so but the panties are a problem. Yes. Panties are a problem. White long johns, that doesn't matter. No. Because she's being moved around. There's so much stuff that could have come in contact with those long johns. But the panties, the panties are hard. Size 12. They're not her panties. The weird thing about the DNA too is that it has been run through all of the systems and everything that we can and there's not a match. And the other thing is that they think it could be a composite of more than one DNA. Okay. A lot of detectives touched her body, moved things around. They think that a lot of this touched DNA, the reason they can't find it is because it's not a suspect, probably other investigators, and they get on top of each other and it makes a whole new profile. Creepy. DNA will never solve the John Binet case. Oh, yeah. And I am wholeheartedly behind that. Yeah. Lou Smith believes that whoever matches this profile is the person who killed John Bonet. Oh, uh, but it's a fake profile. Exactly. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. And that is the whole premise of Lou Smith's investigation. And that's what his family is continuing to do today. They put out a 12 part podcast. It was hard to listen to because they're just testing all these randos. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. And I'm yeah. like, you're not going to find her killer that way. Now that we know what we know about DNA. I know. It's going to take a lot to convince me when it comes to DNA on things. Anyways, now that I said DNA is useless, that's how they're clearing these pedophiles. So that's actually how they cleared Oliva is that they said he doesn't match the DNA that we do have. So whatever DNA they have from John Bonet, they believe if there was an intruder, it would match. And there was nothing from Oliva that matched. And so they ruled him out and they said, no, we don't think he did it. If you believe in the intruder theory and this guy came through a window, went up to her room, took her down in the basement, how would they have not found something? Something. Yeah. He's not fucking Dexter. No. Like maybe Dexter killed John Bonet. That's the only way. Even Dexter (laughs) has problems. He makes mistakes. Okay. (laughs) This had to have been like the most elite pedophile in the world to come in and do all of this and leave not one trace, not one mm-hmm. fingerprint. And I guess it's not out of the realm of possibilities because we know there's lots of cold cases, but... Well, it's a screwed up scene. You can't use anything. That too. There might have been all kinds of DNA over the house if they had locked it down to begin with. Yeah, but even then, construction workers were everywhere. What are you going to do? Yeah. And her body was laying on the floor in the construction room. It could have been a mm-hmm. construction worker's touch DNA too. Exactly. You so still much. can't use it. It makes think- me think of having to be like an old grandma with like plastic on everything. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I don't think they could ever use even if they found somebody. I think a defense attorney could easily say it wasn't their client because this crime scene was never secure enough. So let's keep going with the intruder theory that I obviously don't believe in. When Patsy was asked on December 26th of anyone who might be responsible for John Binet's disappearance, Patsy promptly gave the name of her housekeeper, Linda Hoffman Pugh. She said that the hand 
handwriting in the note looked a lot like the housekeeper's. And she also mentioned that recently Linda had asked the Ramseys for a loan of $2,000 and they had told her no. Oh my gosh. You know, sometimes the people you work for, you need help. They're the ones with money. So you work up some courage to ask them for a little bit of help. Pay me ahead of time so I can make my bills. Give me a break. And so she's like, we didn't give her the money. So now she kidnapped her daughter and killed her. Okay. (laughs) Linda Hoffman Pugh had worked for the family as their housekeeper and her husband Mervyn was their handyman. So it wasn't surprising to know that she actually carried a key to the home. That was another reason she was a suspect. I mean, yeah. During the investigation of John Benet's murder, Hoffman Pugh didn't even begin to fit the profile that the police were after based on all of the evidence they thought they were looking for a male. Mervyn. So, <laughs> what they did find when they went to interview Linda Hoffman Pugh is that this woman didn't hold back on what she thought of the Ramsey family. She's like, fuck those people. <laughs> she kind of was. <laughs> she, she actually voiced her suspicions that she thought Patsy Ramsey had accidentally killed John Bonet. Oh, at least she said accidental. When the police showed up at the Pew's home the night after the murder and asked the 57-year-old housekeeper to write the number $118,000 on a piece of paper, he also took her fingerprints and several strands of hair. And there was nothing that would have connected her. So they like easily threw her out. That's good. That's a good point, though. Eights are very specific. I can write my handwriting completely different every freaking day. But an eight, even if you just do the two circles or you do the whole swirly up and down thing... You're still going to be very specific about it. So Hoffman Pugh would have made a convenient suspect, but she had a really solid alibi, too. She was asleep in bed and her husband was there unless they were doing it together. Really hard stretch there. It wasn't her. It was definitely not the housekeeper. Okay. (laughs) This is like a real life game of Clue. It is. (laughs) (laughs) So next up, we have Santa Claus because Santa Claus comes through the chimney. Maybe it was him. So I definitely ain't fitting through no fucking basement (laughs) window. I'll tell you that. That is true. Could be Krampus. He loves children. He loves torturing children. It was Krampus. Let's end this episode now. It was Krampus. (laughs) So I mentioned Bill McReynolds was the Santa Claus that came to their house on the 23rd. I feel like this guy has been done dirty. Mm. He lived an hour outside of Boulder with his wife. He had a solid alibi. He was with his wife and they had friends over the night of Christmas night. So I really don't think he could have done this. Also, and this is heartbreaking. Their daughter had been kidnapped when she was young. Mm. He'd already gone through this. Like yeah. I don't think, I don't know, it's fucked up. But they used this, or at least not the police, but People the Ramsey online. family. Oh, the Ramseys. Said that it was him because Santa Bill... I'll call him Santa Bill, I guess. Santa Bill's wife had written a play about a girl who was tortured and murdered in her basement. But it was actually based on the fact that their child was kidnapped and like maybe it was her cathartic way. I don't know. But she had written a play and they were like, this play is exactly what happened to John Binet. And so therefore, Bill must oh. have killed her in this exact same way. He fantasized about it or something. No, it's their own kid went through some bullshit. They also got handwriting samples and DNA and that completely ruled them out. But here was the really frustrating thing is that the police quickly ruled him out. He was one of the first suspects. They got the handwriting samples. They got the DNA. They looked at his alibi and they're like, this guy didn't do it. 
It was a year later and Steve Thomas came into the district attorney and they had hired a new investigator and they went after Bill McReynolds again and said, this is our guy. And this guy was in his 70s. Oh, okay. The police were like, this guy was not crawling through a window. Mm -hmm. He was a fragile man. He was like recovering from, I don't think it was cancer, but he had some kind of medical thing going on. They're like, this guy didn't do it. And the reason that a lot of people think that Bill McReynolds was the killer is because the night that he was there, John Binet grabbed his hand. He was dressed like Santa Claus. She thought he was Santa Claus. She was Mm -hmm. six years old. And she took him down into the basement and she gave him something that she had made. It was like a little vial of glass glitter I believe I don't (laughs) think I wrote this down and he told her that she was going to get something special for Christmas and people twist that yes and then he went in for a surgery of some sort and he had that little vial of glitter with him and people think that is because he was obsessed with her or was pedophilic I think it was just that it touched his heart it was an, an innocent yes. child's love. That's what I think. Yeah, that that's literally the best mojo juju whatever thing right. you can hold in your hand because it's literally full of this little girl's love who believes in Santa. And my daughter is literally in her vial stage. Yeah. She's carrying vials everywhere <laughs> full he, of shit. And it's a little that's adorable. And he also just said that John Binet was just the sweetest, most innocent little girl. And Mm -hmm. it probably made him feel good. He was dressed up like Santa Claus. This little girl truly believed he was Santa Claus. And Mm -hmm. he was touched. He's in his 70s. You get nostalgic at that age. Right. He was done dirty, like I said. He was a scapegoat. In the media, he looked good. It's like, oh, this creepy guy dresses up like Santa Claus to get into kids' houses. And he was obsessed with John Binet. And then they even brought up that he had gone to an adult bookstore and bought porn. And they made that out to try and make him look like a pervert. Um, most guys look at porn and I hate it. I fucking hate it. I won't be of with course. you if you do look at porn. But it's right. like one of those things like everybody does that. Did he have child pornography? No. no that's it was- very specific. I'm not going to keep going on about this. Bill McReynolds did not kill John Binet. Stop saying it. He is actually dead now. And Poor I feel guy. bad because he was chased down by the DA's office. And mm-hmm. at one point he called the Boulder police and he's like, please do whatever. Just get me out of this. Stop talking. I These don't are my want. Ears. And his wife was like traumatized by it, too. Mm. And it's a really sad story. Yeah, that is sad. Bill McReynolds did not kill John Binet. Leave Santa alone. Damn it. Another potential suspect was named Michael Helgoth. He was an electrician who worked in a nearby auto salvage yard. He had been tied to an alleged property dispute involving the Ramses, and they think that was a possible motivation for him to seek revenge against the family by kidnapping and killing John Bonet. He was 26 years old. This one's weird. They said that he owned boots that were the high-tech boots and that he had a stun gun. And when the media released that they were narrowing in on a suspect and that they believed it was connected to a stun gun and a boot print michael helgoth actually committed suicide oh this was two days after that press conference stating that and so then everybody was like he must be guilty he must have done it but they tested his dna and it did not match anything on john benet well wait a second so they cleared him that kind of comes off to me a little bit different. From where I'm sitting, I can see the mirror reflection of what's in my closet. And if I saw on TV, the person who did it had velvet maroon pumps and a brown satchel that looks like a backpack. Then I kill myself. I did it. Yeah, that's basically we the have theory a million for him. things, though. Come on. And who knows what else was going on in his life? Maybe his girlfriend just broke up with him. He's probably, or- I mean, he probably was depressed for a very long time. Although I brought it up with the kid. 
in the Arpana case. Yes. He killed himself. I know. So that's why I'm it's bringing suspicious. it up, I guess. You at least have to look into it. But he was cleared with DNA. Yeah, well, that's good. Once again, if there was an intruder, there would be something, you would think. But we are questioning the DNA. The other person, I'm not going to go into a lot of depth on this guy. His name's John Mark Carr. He's the guy from Thailand that said he killed her. He gave a false confession. He was a 41-year-old school teacher. He said he drugged her. He sexually assaulted her. And then he accidentally killed her. This guy, I think, was just looking for fame. So I don't want to give him any. I'm just going to say he comes up a lot. He didn't fucking do it. Fuck him. Maybe he wanted to have the death penalty. Oh, yeah. That's a some people do way. stuff to be punished because they are incapable of punishing themselves the way they want to be punished. So they will have someone else do it for them. So that's all I got on the intruder theory. OK, I'm saving the best for last because in case you guys haven't figured out yet, someone I think in someone the in the family did it. And I know who. And there's a lot more to talk about when we go into the family motives and evidence. So we'll go there next. Okay. Well, before we actually go into this part, because I told her, save what you think it is for last. And we wrote it down. So we both said that it's a family. Let's see who you think. I'm going to read yours and you're going to read mine. Okay. So she said Burke did it. And Jessica says her brother. So we are on the same page. We're on the same page. We both think Burke did it. I've always thought it was the brother. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> we're done we have to tell you why we think we did to, it but yes. i also want to talk about the theories behind patsy and john because i think there are some legs to those too because if burke didn't do it i think some of the other ones make sense but i'll tell you why i think it was burke after yeah. we go through everything okay so me and jessica are on the same page Yep. <laughs> not surprising i do want to give the theories and i have them in the order i'm going to present in what i think is obviously i've already spilled the beans that i think burke did it but i'm going to put it in the order of what i think is most likely so like to me if burke didn't do it i think patsy is most likely and then third would be john and i think all three of them are more likely than any intruder out there you could mm-hmm. give me a thousand other suspects and i would still say one of these three did it before anybody else yeah you gave me so much anxiety over the last <laughs> couple weeks because from the very beginning it's always been the brother for me yeah but i knew you were gonna go hard into your researching and i'm yes. like oh, okay, what's it going to be? I'm like, oh gosh, please don't change my mind. (laughs) I never thought for one second somebody outside of the family did it. Mm -hmm. I have thought at one point each of them did it, but I came back to it has to be Bert. Mm -hmm. I will say the Ramses are a fucked up family. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm probably going to get sued. I was going to say all Ramses are, but I love Gordon (laughs) Ramsay, but he's probably fucked up too because he's rich. Who's the one on Game of Thrones? Ramsey Bolton is the most fucked up of all. (laughs) If you watch Game of Thrones. I just started Game of Thrones again because (laughs) I haven't seen it in forever. And I actually never finished it. Now they have the whole House of Dragon or whatever. So I'm at the very beginning. Have you watched House of Dragon? No, (gasps) I know it's the prequel, but I'm not going to watch it before because. Yeah, it makes sense. I just don't want to. You should wait. Yeah. Per Steve Thomas, he said, we had interviewed 590 people, consulted 64 outside experts, investigated and cleared more than 100 possible suspects, collected 1,058 pieces of evidence, tested over 500 items at a federal, state, and private laboratory, gathered handwriting from 215 people, built a case file that now bulged to 30,000 pages reviewed more than 3,400 letters and 700 telephone tips, and contacted 17 states and two foreign countries. Mm. This is all the work they have done. (laughs) That's a lot. It all kept leading us into one direction. The family. 
The detective team believed that John and Patsy Ramsey had knowledge of and were involved in the death of their daughter. Yes. I'm sorry. That's some pretty compelling numbers. That's why I had to read it. Yep. They did their fucking due diligence. They did fuck up in the very beginning, but they did a pretty solid investigation here. And it always pointed back to the family. It was the case of the Boulder police. Right. It is still an ongoing investigation. It is still open. Like I said, I don't think they'll ever solve it. Did they dig up the backyard? No. Why? There's probably dead bodies all over. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) They haven't done their due diligence in that way. There's an entire yard and lot to go through. John was missing for an hour. (laughs) So Boulder police concentrated on the family. And according to Greg McCrary, and he is a retired profiler with the FBI, and he said, statistically, it is a 12 to 1 probability that it's a family member or a caregiver who is involved in the homicide of a child. Mm -hmm. So just that statistic alone. Yep. The police saw no evidence of a forced entry, but they did see evidence of staging of the crime scene, especially the ransom note. The ransom note is, to me, like the dumbest thing they could have ever done. I mean, you literally could have just done one note that says, I have your child. I know. And then there you go. You wouldn't have looked as suspicious with everything else you were doing. (laughs) Yeah, it's baffling. They're really bad at covering up a crime, but apparently they're not because they got away with it for years. The Ramseys have always maintained that their reluctance to work with the police was because of the fear that there would not be a full investigation for intruders and that they would be hastily selected as the key suspects in the case. Well, that means you feel like you're guilty because you are. In 1999, just two years after JonBenet's death, even the governor of Colorado, it was Bill Owens at the time, spoke out and told the Ramsey family to quit hiding behind your attorneys and quit hiding behind your PR firm. So even the governor of Colorado thought they did it. The other big thing that I think is very interesting, and this may not be widely known, the grand jury was convened in 1999 to review all of the evidence. But at that time, the district attorney chose not to move forward with indictment of anyone. And the Ramsey family went on this huge media PR tour at that time and said, see, nobody was convicted. We didn't do it. If we had done it, one of us would have been convicted. But those records were sealed until 2013. Mm-hmm. And when they were opened, it was known to everyone that the grand jury had actually voted to indict both parents. Oh. And here's what they wanted to indict them for. Two counts each of child abuse and that the parents did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation that posed a threat of injury to the child's life or health, which resulted in the death of John Benet Ramsey, a child under the age of 16. To me, those charges alone make me feel like it was a cover up. Yeah. Against Burke because they didn't right. say that either of those parents killed John Bonet. Mm-hmm. So now that I said that, let's go into the theory about John. To me, the least likely. So the thought is that John Ramsey did it because he was molesting his daughter, John Bonet, mm-hmm. and it had been ongoing for years. In September of 1997, there was a panel of pediatric experts from around the country, and they reached one of the major conclusions of the investigation, and that was that John Binet had suffered vaginal trauma prior to the day she was killed. So it did not just happen on or during her murder. Mm. There were no dissenting opinions among them on this issue, and they firmly rejected any possibility that the trauma to the hymen and chronic vaginal inflammation were caused by urination issues or even masturbation. 
Okay. They gathered affidavits stating in clear language that there were injuries consistent with both acute injury and chronic sexual abuse. Oh, poor baby. I know. In other words, the doctors were saying it had happened before and had continued to happen up until the day she was killed. Mm-hmm. One expert even summed it up saying that the injuries were not only consistent with sexual assault, but with a child who was being physically abused as well. Okay. Such findings would lead the investigators to conclude that the person who inflicted the abuse was someone with frequent or unquestioned access to the child, and that limited the number of suspects. Had to have been someone inside the family. Mm-hmm. So based on that, when you know that a sexual assault is happening to a little girl, the number one person in the house is usually the adult male. Mm-hmm. There was another boy in the house and, you know, women can sexually assault their daughters as well. But the most likely and why this theory is built is because yeah. John seems the most likely to have done something like this to his daughter. Mm-hmm. The other reason that this theory came about is that there were reports two months and right up until John Benet was killed that she had become particularly clingy to her mother in a way that nobody had seen before. Mm. She always wanted to be with her mom and that can signal that some kind of abuse is going on from yeah. someone else in the family, right. not Patsy. That is how I would see it as well. The other reason John came under suspicion is what I mentioned earlier before that Fleet White, when opening the door and being with John, seemed to think that John already knew his daughter was dead. Yep. I already mentioned earlier that Linda Arndt thought and still continues to believe that John was the one who killed his daughter. John had made the odd comment about whoever had killed her caring about her because he wrapped her neatly in a blanket and he was unaccounted for for that hour or Mm -hmm. maybe more. Who knows? He could have been disposing of evidence or doing something to prepare the body to be seen by the police. Exactly. We don't know that while all this is going on that he like, oh, there's a better way to do this. Let me go downstairs and figure this out. Right. A lot of people believe that he broke the window. Like he started staging it down there, like trying to come up with a different thing. Because they had already staged some things. They had obviously already written the ransom note, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But he was gone for an hour. He was hiding things or perhaps staging the window. Because remember, the cops walked around there before John went down there and they didn't say anything about a broken window. But they also hadn't been in there. Oh, this is the other room. Yeah. This is the train set room, right? Yes. Okay. The broken window never came up until John saw it. So I think that's Mm. suspicious. And they never mentioned the suitcase or anything like that. And you think when the officers were down in the basement and they assumed at that point that they were looking for a kidnapped child, that if they had seen a broken window, it would have been notated or a picture taken. That is immediately what you're looking for is how did someone get in to take this child? I'm going to look at all the openings. So a window would have been looked at right away. And John was the first one to mention the broken window. So that's part of this theory. Can you tell if something was broken from the inside or outside? I'm sure glass analysis could. You put it under a microscope. Was it pushed from this way or that way? Well, there was a piece of glass on top of the suitcase. No, that doesn't matter because you're going to break glass. You can grab a piece and put it on top of a suitcase. Yeah, but the intruder theory was that they pushed the suitcase to get back out. And to have done that, the window would have had to have been broken first. I feel like there is more analysis that could have been done there because just pressure. 
Mm-hmm. If you're breaking from the outside, it's going to create a different, yeah, I just I know it. it's going to create a different type of breakage line, whatever, if you're looking at the glass versus if you're breaking it from the inside of the house. Right. And if it was broken from the inside of the house for him to help create this scene, then yeah. that immediately disregards his whole, I broke that window a few weeks before to get in my house. I don't know what to make of the window in any theory. So I'm just going to kind of leave it out. I think it's weird. I can tell you that the baseball bat that nobody seems to claim was found outside of that window. Outside or inside the room? It was outside. It was outside in the exterior of their house? Yes. On a side of the house that nobody would have ever been playing baseball. So. Okay. It seems like a bunch of random stuff that they're like, let's just do this. Yes. We don't know how it fits in the story yet, but let's create some and you other know what? things. It's worked out well for them because it's confused the fuck out of all of us for 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> The belief is that he was sexually assaulting his daughter. And the night they came home from the Christmas party, Patsy went to bed. He put the kids to bed. And then he got up and went back into John Benet's room uh, okay. to do what disgusting molesters do. They believe that the fact that the bed had been misplaced and the pillow was at the end of the bed and the way that things were left, that this would give indication of some kind of sexual assault happening in her bedroom. Okay. Perhaps he did something different that night that caused her to bleed because there was blood and trauma of a different kind inside of her vagina. Perhaps she got upset because it hurt and Mm -hmm. he tried to calm her down because he didn't want her to wake up her mom. Or maybe she even threatened to go tell her mom and he was trying to control the situation and he calmed her down by offering to take her downstairs to get a snack of her favorite fruit, which is pineapple. Stay with me here. I, I know, know what you even, believe. Just stay. Just no, follow I know. The, yeah. but it's just even just talking about this, a father with his daughter. It's just hard it's to. Yeah. He would have taken her downstairs and given her the pineapple and she was crying. So he gave her the tissue box that was also found there. This is where they kind of lose me is then why would he decide at this point he needs to murder his child? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been going on for so long anyway. Why is today a point? That's what I'm saying. He's been covering it up something. for years. Mm-hmm. Unless there was some kind of altercation and she was like, I'm going to go tell mom right now. And he f- panicked. But still, I think it's a stretch. I just I don't see this fitting together, but I'll keep going for the sake of the theory. I think at some point they say the flashlight. Right. And that's supposed to be in the kitchen. If she's like, I'm going to go tell mom, he can hit her with it. But I'm sorry. He's a grown ass man. She's a tiny little girl. He doesn't have to hit his daughter with a flashlight to grab her and subdue her. If he's been assaulting her this long, he can gaslight her. He can promise her. Obviously, he's good at doing that to a lot of people. Exactly. I'm going to give you a special treat if you don't tell your mom. Like there's other ways to convince a child, especially when you're an adult man who can manipulate easily. So, yes, I don't believe that's why I have this one at the top, because Mm -hmm. I believe John Monet was killed either accidentally by a parent or I mean obviously I already think that Burke did it but the only way I think a parent would have killed her would have been an accident and this theory with John would be that he maliciously killed her oh okay and I don't believe it no so yeah that's basically where the theory goes is that he felt like he needed to kill her because it was going to come out and Patsy would leave him and (laughs) his life would be ruined if he was a child molester Well, yeah, that happens. And if you are a child molester, that's a multimillionaire. I don't know. The other thing that I want to bring up about John being the sexual assaulter of John Binet is that I said earlier, he was never home. 
I know. And she had actually written him a card that said, like, for Christmas, the only thing I wish is that you were home more. I have to speak from a child's perspective at this point. Children who are molested, children who are abused in any way, whether that's just having a narcissistic parent who manipulates them in some way, they say stuff like this on purpose because they are actually actively reaching for that person to accept them and to love them and be proud of them for the child that they are, regardless of the abuse that they're receiving. So that doesn't really tell me anything because children, they will do everything that they can. They'll say they're sorry when they've done nothing wrong to the person that is treating them this way. So I have to disregard all of that because I've seen it in many forms and fashion. And I agree with that. The other thing that I saw in this theory is that a lot of people talk about girls specifically who are sexually assaulted by their father. That's how they get their father's love. Yep. And so that would fit in kind of with a what you're way of dealing with it. And it's the only contact that they know of in a romantic because at that age mm-hmm. you start romanticizing yep. things and they would romanticize their father. Yep. In the same way that mm-hmm. they would romanticize a boyfriend. And there was a, I guess, magazine collage that she had made in her room and she had pictures of different men and some of the men were like crossed out and her picture of her dad, she had a big heart around him and little flowers that's creepy and she's six okay to me that's proof that gives a little credence yeah and then they said the same pen that that pretty little heart had been around was the pen that was used to draw the little heart okay that's creepy hand six-year-olds do not know this no all they know is i'm gonna marry that boy someday they don't know the sex stuff they don't know any other part about what's happening she's already experienced too much and just because her dad travel a lot guess what he comes home and he has a special little girl that he's gonna see every time that he comes home and she's dressed up to be looking much older and I don't know I can also tell you that even if he was sexually assaulting her I think that Burke could have killed his sister and John still could have been sexually assaulting John Bonet. I think both of them could have been happening at the same time oh yeah that's exactly what I think is happening. And we'll talk more because maybe John Bonet wasn't the only child he was touching. No, I think he touched both and it caused a lot of unrest and trauma and yeah. a lot of other things going on inside Burke. I'm not a psychology major, but no. I feel like a lot of this does not take a fucking de- degree to figure out. You can take a moment and actually see how one thing can affect another thing yeah. can affect another thing. So the theory is that he decided for whatever reason it was time to take her out because she was going to expose him. And so he let her down into the basement. Perhaps he said, I have a special present for you or something. They believe at this time he would have put on some kind of gloves. That's why there's no fingerprints. There are no fingerprints of John anywhere. They believe that he hit her over the head at this point. He wanted to make it quick, either hit her over the head with the baseball bat that was found outside the broken window or with the flashlight. He then would stage the scene to look like a sexual predator came in and attacked his daughter. This is where I also they also lose me. I don't think that an adult man would have thought of the garage. It's very rudimentary looking. And I just don't think that it's something John Ramsey would have thought of. And also to use on a child. Right. Look at movies. Garrots are used when you're trying to subdue someone much larger than you because it incapacitates them in a way. Right. Any movie you've ever seen, they're in the back seat of a car. And so they wrap it around the driver's neck because right. there's not much they can do. If they're being cut off in that way, it makes a much larger person or another person that could fight back not be able to do much. 
The theory why he would have made the grot is that he had knocked her over the head and realized that that did not kill her and that he would have to do something else to actually kill her. And there are some marks on her neck that look like somebody may have started to try and strangle her with their hands. Um. And they believe that he started trying to strangle her and that was too much because it was too personal. And at that point, he looked around to find something else and saw Patsy's paintbrush. And that's when he made the garage. You could just take the string. You don't have to actually put the paintbrush shit on a string. I can see a child being like, ooh, I've seen that before. I'm going to make one of those. Exactly. And we'll talk about what that garrote looks like that might be related to Burke. But anyways, back to John. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And then the other belief is that if John did it, he would have had to write the ransom note because he's not going to wake Patsy up and be like, hey, I just killed our daughter. Will you write me a ransom note? (laughs) Right. Exactly. So the belief is that he would have used samples of her writing nearby and emulated it. Something I haven't mentioned yet because we haven't gotten to it yet is the ransom note. There were seven pages missing from the tablet that they believed were where someone was practicing what the note would say or Mm -hmm. practicing their handwriting. And those pages were never found. And they were missing in between where the actual note was written and there was one page where somebody has started writing Mr. R but they never finished but they left that in there for whatever reason. Another thought is that they believe it was John because the ransom note was written to him and he would have been the one to write it to himself to try and throw people off. Well they're not going to be like hey Patsy give me money because she has has no money. They also point to him because the $118,000 that was specifically mentioned was also the amount that John had just gotten in a Christmas bonus. And he would have known that. But here's where I am going to come in and be devil's advocate. If you're trying to throw off the scent and say that it was somebody outside, why would you emulate your wife's writing? Because that's what they're saying. Oh, yeah. No, that's silly. Because you're working together in this household at this current moment. Yeah, sure, you might want to fuck each other over a little bit later, but that doesn't make sense. Why would he emulate her writing? To me, that's what throws us off. And then if you go back to, let's go back to the note again. This note has been analyzed by at least 10 or 15 people. There was one person, and this is in Steve Thomas's book, and I take this as probably fact. He said they found a man who was an expert in handwriting. And he said it's not just about how they form their letters. It's also the style and the things that they say, how they use exclamation points, different phrases. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. He said your handwriting also shows to the way you speak. And he's like, there's a whole handprint on who you are in your writing. I believe and he that. analyzed it. And he said for sure that note was written by Patsy Ramsey. Okay. He was set to testify. And then when it came around to it, all of a sudden he changed his mind. And Steve Thomas swears that the Ramsey family came after this man because he Mm -hmm. was the only one and he was the most credible one that said she did it Mm -hmm. for sure. He had all of these examples about how she wrote her A's and how she used certain alliteration. He had a very strong case on why it was Patsy Ramsey. That she at least wrote the letter. Yes, that she Mm -hmm. wrote the ransom letter. And so I believe Patsy Ramsey wrote the ransom letter, but the family got to him and threatened to like ruin his career and all of this. And so he backtracked and said she might have written it. Okay. And that was in Steve Thomas's book. I believe that probably happened. Yeah. If you look at it that way, that means Patsy wrote the ransom letter 
because I don't believe John had the time or would have been able to emulate her writing. Why would Patsy write a ransom letter to cover up the fact that her husband, who was molesting her six-year-old daughter, killed John Bonet? I just don't see that. Also, a woman, when we're writing letters, don't know how to shut up. So that's why it's two pages long. And we're going to talk about that with the Patsy piece, too. <laughs> okay. Yes. And she is a drama queen and she talks too much. Like, yes. And I need to add this layer and this layer and this layer. She's like, there, and, this, and layer. this will make it even more believable. And because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a silly little girl who can't make up my mind, I might change my mind if yeah. this happens. But you better listen. I won't tell you when it's happening. You know what I believe about the <laughs> ransom note? I believe that Patsy wrote it, but John was there giving her ideas because yeah. I think John's the one who knew the movie lines. Because uh, that's a movie. That's a man thing. Okay. That's my Like take. he's guiding her. They're yeah. sitting at the dining He's like, room oh, table. Oh, say this, and oh, put one hundred eighteen thousand dollars in. And they had already spent too much time writing it that they just like they were like, fine, whatever, that's fine, just cross yes. it out. We can't rewrite this exactly, again, exactly, because they'd already written it twice. Because we make mistakes when we're writing. Mm-hmm. You can't write a perfect two-page note without yes. making mistakes. And she's confused and flustered, and she's yes. spelling shit wrong. Yes, she did. So I don't think that John killed John Bonet. No. Because of those reasons. I will also bring up while we're talking about John, there's many other reasons I can bring that make him look suspicious, like him lawyering up. The other main flaw that I see in this is that if he had killed John Bonet and written the ransom note and nobody else in the house knew he had done this, when Patsy woke up and saw the ransom letter, why would he let her call the cops before he was able to dispose of the body? Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about this for both Patsy and John. So I'll go ahead and bring it up to the way that the ransom letter was written. They said if John did it or if Patsy did it, the reason that they said they should get a you remember the part about bring an adequate size of attache. Oh, okay. There's a lot of thought that the reason that was in there was so that one of them could leave the house with that suitcase that would have uh, had John Bonet's body inside of it. Okay. So if it was John writing it for Patsy, then when he walked out the door with the suitcase, uh, she wouldn't have thought anything about it and vice versa if Patsy had, I don't know, Patsy wouldn't have been walking out the door with the suitcase though. No, because it's him who would be required to yes. get that much money. Yeah, so that only works if John wrote it. Mm-hmm. But if he's standing over her saying what to say, which makes much more sense than anything else. Yeah. Is for him to be like, this is what you need to write. You need to write this. You need to write this. And also if they were working together and they were thinking of the suitcase to take John Bonet's body out, they could have written that in there because then John would have left the house with that suitcase and taken John Bonet's body and Patsy would have known it. Yeah. When they were covering for Burke in that situation. So to me, it does kind of make sense. That's why they wrote it in there. Yeah. Because I think it's an odd thing to be like, make sure you bring an adequate size attache. Well, that's stupid because honestly, $118,000 isn't that that much. (laughs) That could fit in a fucking laptop little case. For me, it makes sense. Also, he would not let his wife, his pageant queen wife, write the ransom note. He would most definitely dictate what the fuck it says. Yeah. That wouldn't happen in any scenario. I trust you, honey. Go write it. Yes, <laughs> make sure we're, I agree. Make sure we're on the same line. So then let's go through a quickly what the belief is. And this is the number one theory of Steve Thomas, who wrote the book, is that Patsy is responsible for killing John Bonet. It's also the highest suspect out there. And the most theories are that Patsy killed John Bonet. Interesting. We always go against the grain. I know. He believes that Patsy Ramsey accidentally killed John Bonet. It was a panicked response, and then she had to cover it up. 
I actually also listened to a podcast that believes Patsy did it in a different way. So I'm going to tell both of these stories. Okay. So they come home from the party. They put JonBenet to bed like normal. She put her to bed in the red turtleneck, like she said. And then in the middle of the night, JonBenet wakes up because she wets the bed. And this is a common thing. And it was brought up by the housekeeper that JonBenet wet the bed all the time. And when she would come to the house, that Patsy would be busy changing the bed. Okay. So the thought is that Patsy would get up in the middle of the night to check on JonBenet. And when you have a child that wets the bed, that is something that they tell you. I can say this because I wet the bed when I was a child because I had UTI issues. One of the things they tell you to do is get up with your child in the middle of the night and take them to the bathroom because then they're less likely to pee the bed. Yeah. Like go wake them up like at midnight or something. And have them go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And this is something that Patsy was doing every Um, night with JonBenet. That is devoted mom. We yeah. never sleep anyway, but <laughs> my mom, my mom did it for me for a couple of years yeah. until I outgrew it. Patsy had been drinking that night at the uh, party. Yeah. That's why she was in the same clothing. She was wasted. Yes. And she had put John Benet to bed and then maybe kind of passed out. Who knows? Yeah. And then she was like, oh, shit, I got to get up and make sure she goes to the yeah. bathroom. Maybe she put her to bed without her. She came in. John Benet had already wet the bed. Oh. At that point, she gets her out of bed, takes her into the bathroom, takes the red turtleneck off of her and changes her. Here's where they lose me, though, is because her white long johns that she was found in were covered in urine. She didn't change the long johns. Why? Okay. No. So that's, that's the where they lose me right here. Because you are soaked. Mm-hmm. You essentially have to wash down that child when they pee themselves without a diaper. It's well, everywhere. Okay, so here, let me go back to the theory, I guess. She's taking the turtleneck off of her. They're fighting. The little girl's like, eh, turtlenecks are hard to take off. Something <laughs> happens, and the child falls backwards and hits her head, like, on the toilet, on the bathtub, and it knocks her out. You would not kill your child. You would then take your child to the fucking ER. Exactly. That's Sorry. my thought. Give me a break. So the people who believe Patsy did it is that she thought John Bonet was dead and she didn't want that to reflect on her. And so then she does this whole cover up thing. That's <laughs> OK. It's, it's no. a stretch for me. Yes. It's huge, a stretch for me. Huge stretch. But they keep bringing up the fact that she's a narcissistic show mom and like she needed to have the perfect family and having a child die. But people have children die accidentally. Yeah. And, you know, they drown. A mother who loves her child is going to immediately find a way to fix that child if they're hurt. Unless you think Patsy is a just mommy dearest type of mom, I don't see her then going, oh my God, she just fell and knocked her head and now I must stage a scene and pretend like she got kidnapped and sexually molest her and then I can't grot her and then I can't get there sorry there's nothing that I can do to get there the other why is that the most popular option and you know why it is Is it's propagated because of her image what they put everywhere of this beautiful little beauty queen it was posted everywhere and they're like why is a child looking like that I'm like well first of all that's beauty pageants but she only did nine you said. Yes. So the image of what happened in her life was completely blown out of proportion. Yep. But this is not something she would have known when such a thing happened because they were not in the limelight like that. Right. Prior to John Bonet dying. So the other theory 
is that Patsy got John Bonet up. She had wet the bed. She changed her clothes. Nothing happened in the bathroom. And then John Bonet was like, Mom, I want a snack. And they went downstairs and her mom got her a snack. And at the same time, Burke got up and was hanging out and the kids were there. And she was like, okay, let's go to bed. We got to get up early tomorrow morning, blah, blah, blah. And then Burke went to bed and John Bonet was being a six-year-old and was like, I don't want to go to bed yet, whatever. And her mom's like, we got to get up early in the morning. And she grabs John Bonet by the neck because there are signs that perhaps she was grabbed like by her shirt or whatever. And her mom starts dragging her up the stairs to go to bed. And then something happens. She loses her grip on John Bonet and John Bonet falls backwards down the stairs and knocks her head and is laying there appearing to be dead. That's the second theory I've heard for Patsy. She would have a lot more injuries if she fell down the stairs, especially if she died an hour or two later. It would be, what is that? Um, Rigor mortis would start to settle in areas and it would show bruises in other areas because of how she hit herself falling down the stairs. Give me a break. I agree. So that was the other one that I saw. And then once again, you have to take a big stretch to think that mom's going to now drag her six-year-old down and stage her body in a basement. I think because you and I have a different perspective because we're both mothers, we can be like, fuck no, that would never happen. Mm -hmm. Here's what I read and I think really makes sense is that male police officers are the most common ones to say that Patsy did it. Interesting. Okay. They can't see themselves in Patsy. They can't sit there and think like a woman. Right. Just like you and I can sit here and say it's more likely that John would molest his child and maybe do this versus Patsy. They were saying like a detective would see himself more in John. And so they never looked at John. They were always like, no, John didn't do it because just like me and you, they're sitting there going, I'm like John and I would never do that to a child. Mm -hmm. Me and you are like, we are mothers and we would never do that to a child. But to a detective, it was easier for them to be like, oh, she's a crazy psycho show mom Mm. who wanted a perfect daughter. And now that her daughter wasn't perfect anymore because she had been hit over the head. I mean, the likely scenario would be that you just kill her, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the likely scenario. And that's where they jump to. I won't keep propagating this because I don't think Patsy killed her daughter. No, neither do I. I will say that when I first read the theory, Patsy was the first one that I heard from the family. And I thought I was like, okay, that might have happened the way that they presented it. I'm not presenting it as well. But I hadn't heard the John or the Burke theory. Mm -hmm. When I heard the John theory, then I was like, yeah, that's possible. Child molester dad, for sure. And then the Burke theory was the last one that I heard. Oh, interesting. Kolar's book was the last one that I read. And as soon as I read that, I was like, Burke fucking did it. Burke it's the did only it. thing that makes sense. The parents joined together to figure out how to cover it up. Yeah. So we're down to the theory that Jessica and I believe is most likely. You can come sue me, John Ramsey. I know you've <laughs> sued every other person who has said that Burke did it. To me, that just means Burke did it. Defamation. <laughs> like, come. Come, 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 yeah, come, tell me come. how I defamed him because I'm just you're, you're one spouting of facts. A million people who have said his name. You can't come after everybody. So nine-year-old Burke. I mentioned earlier that there were books in the home talking about somebody. It was like little Johnny has an issue or something. I can't remember the name of the book. I didn't write it all down. But there were a few self-help books given to Patsy by Nedra, her mother, that indicated that there was something going on in the family. Another thing that I actually got from Steve Thomas's book is that the dictionary had been opened and it was open to the page where the word incest would be, which I don't know what to make of that. I thought it was interesting. They are young. Maybe he 
heard his for the very first time what the word incest was. And so he went to look up what that meant. Because when children are being molested from a very young age, they don't know what's bad. These are their parents. They grow up questioning like we're all right. little brains. We have imprints from our past. We know when something's good or bad. And it takes hearing from other people or seeing other things to be like, oh, I should question this. This isn't normal. Yeah. Incest is a very specific word. Yes. And if he heard that from someone or she, even maybe she One did, of them. Yeah. Looked it up. Yeah. So there's the pineapple theory. I don't believe that the pineapple theory is why Bert killed John Bonet, but this is the number one thing that's out there for what they think happened is that Burke and John Bonet got up. Their parents were still sleeping, and Burke decided to make the pineapple with milk. And John Bonet wanted a piece of it, and he was like, No, that's mine. And he hit her on the head with the flashlight, and then he drug her down in the basement. That's the most common theory about why or how Burke killed his sister. That's stupid. I mean, it could have happened, but I mean, to me, fight over very ridiculous they get in things. Fights. It's true. And so yeah. they think he accidentally killed her and then took her down. I just don't understand how he would have taken her downstairs. Exactly. And all of that. How, how can he do that? He's nine. I also have to say, I feel like I need to try pineapple and milk. What if it's really good? <laughs> because the whole time you've been saying this, I'm like, I love That's pineapple. Weird. I'm not a big milk fan on its own, but if it's like this creamy, I don't know. Is it good? I don't know. Let's try or it. Or is time. it a serial killer thing to do? It's what you do if you're a sociopathic nine-year-old. <laughs> so Burke had a history of scatological problems. This was uncovered and discussed by FBI Special Agent Jim Clemente. Burke would show these problems by leaving excrement around the Ramsey household. That is a sure, sure sign, dudes. According to the Ramsey's former housekeeper, Linda Hoffman Pugh, Burke was known to leave feces specifically in John Benet's bed and spread it on the walls in the home. Yeah. When crime scene technicians visited John Bonet's bedroom after sealing it off, they apparently found feces smeared on a box of candy that she had gotten for Christmas. Uh, that is literally the same day then. Yes. That's specific. So this abnormal behavior suggests that Burke not only had mental issues, but he may also have had jealousy issues towards his sister. Yep. If he was doing it on her candy. candy. Disgusting. Yes. I'll go back to the leaving feces in her bed. Linda Hoffman Pugh said this was a common occurrence and it would be a large size. Uh, she said grapefruit size, which sounds painful. <laughs> I mean, you'd be surprised what kids have to pop out. Yeah. Their bodies are not ready for the size of their intestines yet. So it's it's crazy. But I am just sitting here. I'm like, my daughter's the same age. I cannot so, imagine her even touching her own poop. <laughs> Let alone yeah. trying to do something with it to intimidate another child or whatever the fuck's going on. Sadly, this is a kid who needed a lot of help and it wasn't happening. The other thing that was brought up by housekeepers and babysitters is that Burke had an anger problem. Obviously, he He's would like a chimpanzee throwing feces everywhere. And he would yell and just have like outbursts that he could not control. Mm. There was also a incident that has been brought up many times where he hit John Bonet with a golf club when she was only two years old. Aww. So it was believed that according to Patsy, it was an accident and that he was just swinging the golf club and she walked up um, behind him. But some are like, was it really an accident or I did mean, he have an anger issue? He was jealous of his little two year old sister. He would have been five at the time. 
Either one. It doesn't matter. There's not really much to discuss there. Yeah. It could be either or. But it has been brought up to show that even at a younger age, he was jealous of his sister and potentially violent. The only one who could answer that is Patsy to know if the little child was like, I'm going to hit her. Right. Or if he's just like being silly. And then the other thing that really, I guess, cements this in my mind is that the housekeeper once again said there were several times that she found the kids in bed together playing doctor. And she said they would act weird when she came in. So I think there are signs and maybe the possibility that Burke was molesting his sister. I also being like daddy. There are signs that daddy was touching both kids. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he needed to have some power. He wasn't in power himself with his own father and everything that was going on. But he was bigger than his little sister. Or maybe John was molesting Burke only and then Burke was acting out by molesting his sister. Mm, That is one thing. Because I did see that usually when a family member like a father is assaulting a child, they usually pick one. Yeah. So it it, it would be more unlikely that he's doing it to both. That is true. So now that we're talking about it, I'm like, Mm -hmm. this makes more sense to me. He was abusing Burke and Burke was in turn abusing his sister. And if you think a little kid cannot abuse another little kid, I have to tell you, I know specifically that it can happen and it can be very, very raw and very, very real and pretty serious. I didn't write down, but when I was looking into this with Burke being nine, there are some pretty disturbing statistics out there that show this is way more common than any of us want to think about. Kids molest other kids. Oh, I know this. And especially within the family, brothers Mm -hmm. to sisters is even more common than anything. Thankfully, that hasn't happened in my family. But I know so much. Little kids with little kids, you can't leave them alone, to be honest. It doesn't matter if it's girl on girl, boy on boy, girl on boy, boy on girl. It doesn't matter. They're going to experiment and things happen. Little kids do this to each other, but they learned it from someone. Yes. So we'll leave it at that. Yes, Burke was capable of molesting his little sister. sister. Mm -hmm. They also slept together quite often. John Bonet would get scared because she was kind of in part of the house by herself and she would go crawl in bed with her brother. This could also be because of the molestation that was happening from their father. So Mm -hmm. you don't know. Like, you don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And maybe Burke was mad that his father was targeting him and not John Bonet. Or the other way around. Maybe right. he was targeted for a little while and then he turned to John Bonet and oh, he wasn't and he getting felt- attention anymore. Whatever was going on, something <laughs> fucked up was fucked happening in this up. household. And yes. I will not discount that John was involved. Nope. In fact, I probably think he is most likely involved. I don't think Patsy was doing this to her children. No. But I feel like she was uh, enabling it or mm, not enabling. Turning, turning she it. was turning her cheek to what was happening because he's the money. She had the lifestyle she wanted. And yeah. as long as she could comfort her children in the way that she wanted, then everything was OK. And she's like, he's gone most of the time anyway. Exactly. So she probably dreaded when he came home because she knew it was going to happen. And she was battling cancer. And she had cancer. We can't forget that. In a way, I feel like Patsy may have been the tragic person Mm -hmm. in this fucked up situation, too. Like, I almost have empathy for her when I think about it. But if she knew that her husband was molesting her children and John Bonet was murdered, I don't understand why she would not have left him because she would have still gotten money. We don't know. We don't know that. Yeah, there could have been a prenup. If she thought she was about to die as well, 
Yeah. We don't know what was going through her mind on making sure her children were taken care of. Or maybe he had just initially molested Burke and she put a stop to it. And she didn't know what was happening with John Monet. Like you said, it's just a fucked up family. There's too much going on. We can spew this a million different ways, and every way can lead to poor John Bonet dying. Yeah, John Bonet had some stuff going on. And here's the thing, too, is Patsy's taking John Bonet to the doctor's these 18 appointments before she died. She knows something's going on. Uh, uh, to me, that actually says she doesn't know what's going on. Oh, she thinks she's just has because a UTI. Why, why would a mom put her daughter in a doctor's hands if they could look at her and be like, she's being sexually abused. Yeah. We're going to arrest you. To me, that says the mom doesn't know it. So maybe she just thinks it's toileting issues and she's like, she's trying to get help because she's tired of not sleeping because she has to wake up and deal with her child who's wetting the bed every night. And she's exhausted because she's up every night taking care of changing a wet bed. That tells me she didn't know what was happening to John Bonet or she was trying to get help. Yeah. And she was afraid. See, there are a bunch of different ways to to look at this. That was her way of saying, report me, report him. It can't come from my mouth, but please see what's happening to my daughter. Back to Burke. We know something's going on. He had anger problems. We believe he was capable of being fatally violent with John Bonet. The reason that many investigators started honing in on Burke was also his response to questions in his one investigative interview that finally happened, and he didn't show any feelings of a typical child. They interviewed him two weeks after his sister was murdered, and Burke told investigators that he felt safe and didn't really worry that an intruder would come back for him. For a nine-year-old to say that after their sister had been brutally murdered in their home is very odd because a child of that age should have reacted differently, like been afraid for their life. Yep. And he was kind of like nonchalant about it. That and, is weird. And his parents are all out saying that somebody came into their house and murdered their child. And Burke's like, oh, I'm not worried about an intruder. Like, yeah, we're probably fine. Exactly. That's weird. Normal kids would not be leaving their parents' side. And the FBI profiler, Jim Clemente, said it's expected for a child to feel scared and unsafe after an intruder has kidnapped and murdered their sister. Mm -hmm. Most children would feel in extreme danger living in the house that their sister was murdered in. Mm -hmm. He wasn't living in that same house. But still, they said his casual feelings would be considered very unusual unless he knew that there was no intruder to blame for the murder of his sister. Mm -hmm. That behavior would lead you to believe that he knew something. Yep. The other thing that they said was very odd about him is that Burke told investigators that the first question he asked his dad was, where was John Benet's body found? The profiler said it is very strange for a nine year old to ask about the body of their sister rather than what happened to her. Or where was my sister found? He had no concern. The only concern he had was about where her dead body was. I watched this interview with a nine-year-old Burke that happened around the same time that they interviewed Patsy and John. So it was probably four months after John Bonet's murder. Mm-hmm. And they brought in a child psychologist to talk to him. They would not let the police, which I kind of support that you don't want a nine-year-old child to be grilled by the police detective. So they brought in a child psychologist and they put him in a room and then the police sat behind the mirror to watch. Mm-hmm. And she's asking him questions and he's sitting there and there is like no emotion. (laughs) And at one point she asked him to draw a picture of his family Um. and he drew a picture of himself and his two parents. 
and the dog, but he didn't draw John Binet. And child psychologists say that have worked with children whose siblings have been killed, they almost always still draw their sibling, mm-hmm. even up in heaven yeah, or something like that. But right. for the fact that his sister had only died four months ago, for him to already be like, she's not part of the family anymore, mm-hmm. came across as something's not right yep. <laughs> with this kid. Yeah. They also asked him if he knew how she had died, and he went into some real detail. Mm. He said, oh, I think someone dragged her down in the basement and sliced her throat open, and he does it like that. Um. And he's like, or maybe they hit her over the head with a hammer. And he was the most animated. He's very theatrical about it. When he's talking about how his sister died, which Mm. is also very odd. Yeah, he was excited about it. And then when they asked him how he felt about what had happened to his sister and how he was coping, he said, I'm just trying to get on with my life. (laughs) A nine-year-old. A nine-year-old. That's a very adult thing to say later on. Yeah. Not a nine-year-old. So after this interview, there was a lot more to it. Those are the big things I could remember. They just said he showed no appropriate emotion at all about what had happened to his sister. And there was no indication of a child experiencing any kind of trauma from it, which they would have expected from a sibling. He was just not reacting like a normal feeling human child. A lot of people will say it was because he was traumatized. I don't know. You can think what you want to think. I think it shows that he had some kind of emotional disorder. I just had a really crazy thought. This is just for a movie and it's going to last two seconds. So this is his second marriage. He marries a younger girl Mm -hmm. and she really wants a baby, but she can't have one because it took her six years. Yeah. They sell themselves to the devil. (laughs) They get their first baby boy. Yes. And he turns into Omen. The good son. The good son. And this is what happens. Shit goes wrong. That's what happened. (laughs) goodbye end of episode the other thing that was really odd is that they did get to interview him a couple of years later so he was 11 years old at this time and they asked him about the pineapple and he got real weird when they asked him about the pineapple he kind of stopped talking like he didn't know how to respond and then he was like um well I don't remember having pineapple, but I could have. Like, it was really <laughs> odd. Why is this family so weird, weird about, about the, the pineapple? pineapple. <laughs> because it's connected yeah. to her murder because yep. it's in there. And there's that's not something they can ever explain away. It was in her body. Mm-hmm. And it admits who was with her before she died. Yes. So whoever had the pineapple was with her within an hour of her dying. Correct. How do you explain that? An intruder is not coming in and fixing pineapple and leaving it on your kitchen table. They're just not doing it. Just put it back in the fucking fridge. (laughs) Why leave it on your goddamn table for cops to see? What is your problem? You guys are bad at this. (laughs) Jim Clemente, who was the FBI profiler, said they showed him a picture of the pineapple sitting on the table. Burke looked like he was about to jump out of his seat (laughs) and started displaying really unusual behavior. Interesting. So something about the pineapple is very triggering for the Ramsey family. The other thing that Jim Clemente said in this interview is that he asked Burke if he had heard anything the night his sister died. And he said that the way that Burke responded was, I always sleep real deeply. I can never hear anything. Nobody can hardly wake me up. And Jim Clemente said that this seemed like an over-exaggeration like he was overselling the fact that like oh there's no no way that I woke up and like trying to really like show proof or whatever that he wasn't this they don't know how to stop (laughs) the other thing I want you to know about Burke is that he was a boy scout and he had gone through 
sailing training because they spent every summer in Michigan. And it was actually in one of Patsy's newsletters because she would send newsletters to brag about her family. Oh my God. Okay. I know exactly these people. Go ahead. And had been bragging about how much Burke enjoyed sailing and how well he was doing at learning everything needed to sail. And if you know anything about sailing, that involves a lot of knot tying. Ah. As does Boy Scouts. They learn how to tie various knots. And so that goes back to the garage. So now let me go into what I think happened. Okay, not the tying on her hands because I was loose and poorly done. Mm -hmm. But the garage. After Burke had said multiple times that he had slept through the night, he said in 2016 that he got up that night. (laughs) I don't know why he would have said this. He basically incriminated himself. Anyways, he said he got up that night because he wanted to go play with one of the new toys that he had gotten for Christmas. Yeah. His parents were in bed. He probably knew he shouldn't have been up. I think he got up and maybe when he got up, he was making himself a snack down in the kitchen. He was loud because kids are loud. It woke John Bonet up or she wet the bed because she did have urine all right. over. So maybe she woke up. She had wet the bed. Her mom was passed out after drinking and didn't get up to wake her up. Or maybe like she normal. even went to her mom and she's like, mom, wake up. But her mom went like, to bed and she didn't know what to do with herself. So she's like, Wah. yes. And so then JonBenet comes downstairs because she hears her brother. He's having a snack. They probably eat the snack together. I don't think that he got mad and hit her no. over the head. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I'm going to go put my toy together. And they go down in the basement together because that would be a quiet place that their parents wouldn't find them. Exactly. They knew they shouldn't be up. That's his toy room. It's the train set yes. area. Yep. And then some kind of something happened down there. None of us will know unless yeah. Burke admits to this. Did he assault her? Did they get in a fight? There is speculation that those marks that Lou Smith believed were the stun gun. They actually fit with the train track Um, and some think that he poked her with the train track set because it matches perfectly because when you take it apart you know there's these like little prongs yeah he poked her otherwise she would be burned it makes a lot of sense because the flashlight was in the kitchen and they're about to go downstairs which is a maze and they took it to use the flashlight to go find out where they were going right and then they got into some kind of fight or he's fucking snapped because he's the good son omen child mm-hmm. and he knocked her over the head with the flashlight. We have no idea what would have happened. She could have said anything or he could have he pushed could have her said anything. It doesn't matter. They're in the basement. He could have pushed her against something. She hit the back of her head and she passed out. And yeah. then they believe that he was playing with the train set and she's just laying there comatose and he poked her to see mm-hmm. if she was alive mm-hmm. and she didn't respond. And then he's like, "Uh uh-oh. And that's when they believe he would have looked around and started thinking about what he could do. And Burke would try and drag her, maybe, but she was heavy. So in Boy Scouts, he learned how to make something called a tightening stick, which you basically take a stick and tie a rope around. And it also looks kind of like a garrote. And you Mm -hmm. can use it to move things. And so the thought is that he made this and put it around her neck to drag her Um, into another room okay kind of makes sense to me or he could have just been a sick fuck and wanted to strangle his sister too either way either way one or the other if you look at what a boy scout tightening stick looks like and what this garrote looks like i think there's a pretty big connection there look at the specific garrote he made yes and i will put pictures of this on our instagram because it's something that is kind of glossed over. And I read all about this and I never actually sat down and looked at what the garage looked like mm-hmm. until I read the Burke theory. Mm-hmm. And when I pulled it up, I was like, that makes total sense. Yeah. Because it's a broken paintbrush that's like fashioned into a stick and then just tied around. 
you got to be careful because the people who are on the Ramsey side will make it sound like it was some complex like weapon that a pedophile like fashions in his like deep dark dungeon to like come (laughs) out and and then you look at it and you're like this is literally Mm, something that a five-year-old can make yeah so the grot was not some technologically advanced it literally looks like something a nine-year-old could do so at that point he has essentially killed his sister either by accident or on purpose one or the other he has maybe dragged her all the way into that basement room maybe not it's a pretty far stretch mm-hmm. he could have just left her in the train room yeah and but then his parents came i was about saying gone the- to bed or he went and woke his parents up i don't yeah. know what happens next nobody knows what else happened but maybe somehow, maybe patsy actually her- woke up and she's like ah I got to get her to go to the bathroom. Couldn't find either of her children. Oh, yes. Went downstairs, found out. And maybe after getting John too, like someone moved her into the other room because they knew that was more obscure, out of sight. People aren't going to look in there. So at that point, the parents are involved. They write the ransom note. Like I said before, they tell their child the secret goes to our grave or whatever. I don't know. What are they going to do? Wake up, call the cops. My nine-year-old killed my six-year-old. What do I do? In reality, they're going to say, wow, you sick fucks. You're blaming it on your nine-year-old? Mm-hmm. Really, what do you do? What do you so, do? Let's put Other ourselves, than call yeah. 20 priests to come help you. They now have a six-year-old that is dead, that has been killed by their nine-year-old, who they still love, even though he maybe is a psycho killer. And they're like, if we call the police, they're going to take him away. He's going to be put in juvie. It's going to be all over the news. And our family is going to be ruined. The laughingstock of the fucking country. And they're narcissistic. Mm -hmm. To me, it's not a big stretch for them to be like, we can save this. Let's make this look like a crime. And then we will be the family that's grieving and everyone will feel sorry for us. And we'll be looked at in a very different way than having like, a six-year-old that died because of our nine-year-old. That's and, fucked up. And or, yes, Burke killed her, but their reasoning for covering it up is because John was molesting the, molesting children. the children, knowing that a child is going to be heavily questioned. psychologically questioned to figure out why the fuck he would kill his six-year-old sister. The abuse and the molestation would come up and then they all go to jail. But then I get back to, because I said there's always a, but this doesn't make sense piece to every single theory yeah, out there. Yeah, it doesn't. Because we're normal people and we have to think fucked up. Yeah. But why was a paintbrush put up inside of her? Because I feel like that's staging. No. To me, if you are already obsessed with molesting little children or just molesting someone in general, and it's your first time seeing a dead body mm. and you're around materials that can go up such orifices you're gonna try and that's maybe what he did i think that's what he did and then she started bleeding yeah because it was too rough remember she was passed out for at least an hour before she was strangled. you have no idea what her poor little body went through for yeah. an hour but now if it's the brother we gotta really go to some dark places because the brother's doing some weird stuff to his sister now yeah and the panties were changed i want to bring that up too huge size 12 Size 12 panties were on her body. She was very large. She was like a size six. So what they believe is that something must have happened to her original panties or maybe there was evidence on it. Yep. 
We don't know. They did show in the autopsy that someone had cleaned the vaginal area with like an alcohol wipe. So I do think that if the parents were involved, Burke had done something to her body sexually Mm -hmm. and there was DNA evidence on her panties. Somebody changed her underwear. There was a package. I read this only in one source. I hope it's true. I couldn't find it anywhere else. But supposedly in that room where Patsy kept Christmas presents, there was a package of day of the week underwear that were to be given to one of her nieces. And that's where the underwear were taken out of. Okay, that better be it. That makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know how else to explain it. The duct tape and the rope around her wrists was part of staging that was not done during the act of whatever was being done to her. Or he could have done it because she was already passed out and he thought it would be fun to see her tied up. I don't know. But the way that her wrists were tied up was not to keep her subdued. And the duct tape, as we already know, was put over her mouth after she was I mean, I kind of like what you said. It feels like it's someone who hasn't done it before. And they're trying to play out their fantasies. They killed the child. I like this theory. They... They tied her up. Oh, I can tie her up. Uh, uh, duct they, tape. They put the duct tape on her. Oh, I can do that. They have sexual deviancy. They need to also explore that in a moment. They don't know it's called necromancy, but they're like, oh, she's gone. Mm-hmm. What do I do now? There's a lot going on here that feels like experimentation. Agreed. And to me, a paintbrush being used after he already made the garage. Or maybe before he made the garage. I think before. My thought is before the garage. And then he got the idea. Oh. Let me break it in half and, oh, I can make that thing that Boy Scouts taught me. Okay, let's go back. There was a scream that was heard at 2 a.m., supposedly, around that time. But I don't think it would have been heard from the basement. Maybe they heard it from the bedroom. No, here's why it was heard from the basement. There was an air duct that came right out of Um. that train room. And they actually did a bunch of tests with this with the detectives. And they had some standing where the woman was that heard it. And they had people upstairs. Nobody upstairs could hear the scream, but the woman could because it came out the air duct. Yep. So here's what I think. He thought she was already dead. She'd already been hit on the head, whatever. She's not he doesn't think she's alive. He perhaps does something like a paintbrush Mm. inside of your vagina you wake up you scream and that's when he makes the garrote and strangles her i feel like maybe the scream was before that okay like something happened like before he hit her over the head exactly like something happened that he could have pushed her done something else and she's trying to scream to her parents you're right But they're in the basement so she screams bloody murder that's what they hear and then he gets hit or she gets hit in the head when she never wakes up and that's why he hits her so hard because she's screaming and he's like You're going to get me in trouble. Once her lifeless body is laying there because he's fucked up, he's like, hmm, what can I do here? And he gets creative because his parents, after that screaming, they never came down and he knew he was alone. Can you imagine being Patsy? Because I'm assuming Patsy is the one that found him because Mm -hmm. she was the one that was like inconsolable, hysterical the day after. Yeah. You walk down and you see this happening. I just I don't even know what I would do. The reason I go back to this theory, even though it's so hard to imagine a nine-year-old being this sociopathic, it's the only thing that makes sense for why both parents Mm -hmm. would work together. Yes. And also why they get different lawyers, though, because one might spill the beans, lose their mind. And so they need different lawyers to protect themselves. They can't go down together. One has to be 
more at fault than the other. They also kept Bert very protected for years. And to me, that's more of a sign. Yes, you would protect your child that their sibling had been murdered in a vicious way or whatever. But the way that they kept him kind of shielded does tend to make me think it's for good reason. Mm hmm. The other suspicious thing they did is as soon as John Bonet was killed, they completely sealed all of his psychological records and mm. nobody can access them. That's huge. Mm-hmm. This so reminds me when I'm reading this of the Martha Moxley case yes. and those brothers. Yes. Immediately. I thought that the like Skakel. five yes. hours ago. <laughs> and he was 15 when he killed Martha Moxley, but he had been displaying this kind of like behavior for years and years, anger issues, who knows what else. But mm-hmm. they did the same thing. They tried to hide his psychological But they also profiles. were trying to figure it out for themselves because they were dealing with a monster in their own household. Yeah. And that's where I struggle here because it's like if I had a child that was monstrous and had killed my other child, I would have a hard time living with them day in and day out. I would want to get them help. I would be worried that they would hurt somebody else or me. Yes, because once you know that a child is capable of killing, you have no idea what they're going to do to you too. Right. You're sleeping. They can come do something to you. Unless there was some way that they really think it was accidental and they don't want to face the fact that their child has like an he issue. Like he hit her over the head. Or he, he pushed her and she fell into the And then the he brick. immediately ran up to his parents. Oh yes. my God, oh my God, oh my God, this happened, please. I'm going to go back to this and maybe I'll die on this hill too. I don't think either of the parents would have thought of making that garrote. When I look at it, no. it looks like a child's toy. I think this was all him until it was found out. And then they immediately started thinking, like you said, of their image or they immediately started thinking of it's going to be blamed on us. So remember on the 911 call, it sounds like John Ramsey says, we're not talking to you, which sounds like an angry parent. Yes. Like we're having to do this because of what you did to your sister. And I'm being forced to take care of you right now. So what that makes me think of is that they found John Bonet after Burke had already gone to bed mm. and he got up that morning and John's like, we're not talking to you. And he's like, what did you find? Uh, so they didn't come down while he was killing her. They, the, found, they her found her that morning. The other thought behind this is that they were supposed to get on a plane to Michigan at 630 in the morning. That's fu- OK. Why did she wake up at five? She didn't get up till 530. OK, fuck that. And here's the other interesting concept is that nothing was packed. There were no suitcases packed to go. No, they found her in the middle of the night when all of this was happening. They forgot what they were fucking doing. They were already drunk and disoriented from the night before. And then all of this happened. They didn't have time to get ready to go anywhere. And they forgot all those details. She got up. To go check on John Bonet, wetting the bed. John Bonet was not in her bed. Mm-hmm. And she went looking for her and she found her dead mm-hmm. in the train room. Burke mm-hmm. was already back in bed. Mm-hmm. Because and then Burke's being Burke. He's yep. like, I had my fun. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> I'm tired now. She goes up and finds John and says, our baby's dead. And then they do panic control, whatever they do. They did she, their own investigation. She throws back on her clothes from last night because she needs to be dressed But she doesn't because I believe she had probably gone to bed and then gotten back up. And then it's like, oh, my God, we got to do this. And she just throws on the first thing she can find, which would have been the clothes she she wore last night. Go to bed in that. 
Yeah, I don't know. Neither one of them can say when the other went to bed when it comes to John and Patsy. I mean, if I'm really tired, it was a really fun night. We're looking forward to this night and all the kids are taken care of and you're having fun with your friends and you come home and it's late. Sometimes, you know, you just lay down and what you have. I feel like it's, or she all, passed it's a out. stretch. That's what I'm saying. And, and she, then she woke up. She passed out. She was already still in what she was wearing. It makes more sense that that's the case. It feels like a stretch that she would go and put on the same clothes that are sitting right. in her on the floor in her bathroom because I can tell you when I've had some drinks I come home and I think I'm just gonna like take a little nap and I wake up at 2 a.m. and I'm still in my clothes exactly and, and then I change and so she wakes up after drinking she's still in her clothes she goes to check on John Monique mm-hmm. and then like we said she wakes up John they don't wake Burke up because they already know it was Burke who did it and what would be the purpose of waking him up maybe at he, that point he had already shown signs that night that he had a lot of animosity towards her at the party Maybe yeah. he was doing other things. And he already had a history of doing it, but maybe yes. it was very evident at the party that night. So they just knew it was him. They knew something. And this also explains why Patsy was kind of completely flustered when the pineapple bowl came up. She didn't know that pineapple bowl existed uh, because she didn't come downstairs with them. She didn't know they had eaten it. All she knew was she found her baby girl dead in the basement. And then they were doing all the control of that. But nobody had come upstairs and looked around to see what else was out of place, which was the pineapple bowl. They write the ransom note. But then I go to... Why would they have called the cops right away and not worked more on the scene? Like there was no reason for them to feel pressured to call the cops right Right, at 530 in the morning. Exactly. You could have said you slept till seven, eight. So that's where once again, I get into this. Why would they have done it that early in the morning unless they wanted to make it look like they had just found her? There was a 6.30 flight. And they needed it to look credible that I'm they got I'm sorry, up. but you can't wake up at 5.30 and get to a 6.30 flight. That's what I've always thought when I read this. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. None of this makes sense. None it's- of it makes sense. The only thing that makes sense is everything was disturbed in the middle of the night and it fucked up everything else. Mm-hmm. Their brains are so scatterbrained. They just lost their kid. Their other kid did it. And they're trying to figure out a way to make this look one way or another. But you can't think through everything when your child was just murdered. There's no possible way you could think through every freaking scenario. Why, if you're staging it, would you have written that ransom note? The ransom note was a bad idea, whoever did it. I did read this and this kind of makes sense. They thought the police would show up at their house, read the ransom note and then leave and start looking for their child. And that would give them time to get rid of her body, do whatever. And then the hope was that they would be able to move the body because the police would be out looking for this kidnapper. And then they would find the body somewhere and believe that it was connected to the kidnapping. So I think that their harebrained idea, they just didn't pull it off well. That's why they invited people over right away. But why they, they filled their house with people so that they themselves could be obscure. And that's why Patsy was inconsolable and crying because she was the scene while John, John could out. slip away. They were planning this and John was going to sneak out with that suitcase to go get the money. But then when they went down to get John Benet's body, rigor mortis had set in and she wouldn't fit uh, in the suitcase anymore. She wasn't bending. Should have done it before. And then he was like, we got to discover this body before the police do. And that's when he went down with Fleet White and was like, my baby. 
he was hiding evidence for the hour that he disappeared. Yeah. The thought is that he took the roll of duct tape, he took the cord, and he took maybe her real pair of underwear and got rid of them somewhere. They Mm -hmm. said he could have, you know, put them anywhere because nobody was looking for it at that point. Because why would the white lawn johns have pee on them and not the underwear? There's so much. And I love talking through this with people. I could talk about this forever. Is because we're like thinking of new things right now, just like Uh brainstorming. (laughs) I know. But it makes sense now. That's why they wrote the note. Mm -hmm. They didn't get the body out of the house like they thought they could with all the people there distracting. And they didn't think the police would hang around as long as they did because they don't know how police work. No. Okay, we have solved the John Bonet case. You're welcome. Yes. Sorry. Let me keep talking about Burke Ramsey, though. He did go on Dr. Phil in 2016. He gave the creepiest interview you will ever watch. I recommend if you are on the Burke did it train with me and Jessica, go watch this interview because it will (laughs) make you believe. So Burke was 29 when he went on the Dr. Phil show. He had never talked to press ever. And he said, I will do one interview and then you will never hear from me again. (laughs) So you go on Dr. Phil? (laughs) Really? Go to someone else. I thought the same thing. But when I looked it up, Dr. Phil had the same lawyer as the Ramses. Oh, fuck that. So there was a connection there. Dr. Uh, Phil asked softball questions. John Ramsey went on Dr. Phil many times. So it wasn't a real Dr. Phil show. Okay. But... Burke being Burke is just a creep, so I can't you hide can't that. cover that up. <laughs> he is very weird, and he has a fixed kind of like Joker smile on his face the entire time he's interviewing and talking about his dead sister, and a lot of people bring that up. And Dr. Phil defends him and says, no, he's just a really socially awkward person. Yeah, that happens, but... Mm. One of the questions Dr. Phil asks him is, when you went to the funeral of your sister, how did you feel? And here's his answer. <laughs> He said, I looked in the coffin and I noticed that she had this weird kind of droopy eye. And I thought that's weird because <laughs> he's looking at her as an object, not a person, not his sister, not anything else. He's like, oh, look at this skin and bones, a droopy eye. OK, when I listened to this interview and I heard him say that, I was like, that's a sociopath. That's a sociopath. He has no feelings towards anything. Right. He's literally observing. He's talking to you about facts of what he's seeing. Yes. And that's what he remembers is she had a droopy eyelid. That's literally what he remembers because he has no emotional connection to whatever he's viewing. And he has no emotion at all when asked all these questions about his sister and how he was feeling. And there's one point, a lot of people bring this up, where he talks about his sister flaunting herself She's at six. the pageants. She's exactly. Six. He used the word flaunt. And a lot of people are like, that's an odd choice of word for your dead sister that was six years old in a pageant to be like, she was out there flaunting herself. So that attracted pedophiles. And children of this age, they don't think of themselves in that way. They don't know what sexuality is. They're literally being their bubbly, cute little selves who are like, oh, yeah, Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. They don't realize. Watch me. Watch me. You know? They have no idea that there are like freaky people like yes. her own brother. And they shouldn't know that. They no. shouldn't know, honey, don't do that because grown ass men won't be able to <laughs> control themselves around you. That is so <laughs> fucked up. I don't want to live here anymore, Jessica. I don't want to. <laughs> I had to go to my daughter's dance recital yesterday. And one of the people who was standing outside yesterday when my daughter came out, and she was actually very appropriately, some of these dance 
yeah, costumes more, can more be a little bit ridiculous. Looking, yes. But this year was okay. <laughs> I was kind of happy with it. Right. But I heard a man go, because one of a little girl was getting picked up. And as she was getting picked up, someone was like, we can see your underwear. Put her down. Put her down. And the man goes, isn't that what all of this is about? It's all scandalously dressed little children anyway. What? And I was like, the only person who thought that was you. Because right. this is You're a You're making it child. sexual. This is a little child. Wow. So this is everywhere. It's disgusting. I won't go into any more, but watch the Burke Ramsey interview with Dr. Phil. You will probably be convinced like me and Jessica. There was a CBS documentary that came out based on Detective Kolar's book. And that's when they first announced that they thought Burke Ramsey killed his sister. Right away in December of 2016, Burke Ramsey filed a lawsuit for $750 million against CBS. Okay. They weren't even as cold as we are. They said that Burke accidentally killed her. I don't believe it was an accident. No. Sorry, you don't accidentally do all the other things that happened to her. Right. He also filed a $150 million lawsuit against one of the pathologists that was in the documentary who adamantly believed that Burke was John Benet's killer. For the next couple of years, they just sued everybody and anybody who said anything about Burke killing John Benet. A lot of these were tossed out. They settled out of court. Nobody really knows what happened. I can tell you that Burke, as of 2018, the last that is known of him is that he is a software engineer and he reportedly works from home. I don't know if he has a wife or a girlfriend or friends or anything. Do you remember from the very beginning? Do you remember the time? Do you remember (laughs) the time when I used to deliver to Psycho Man? (laughs) He was a software engineer who worked from home and Mm. he looked like a fucking serial killer and he acted like a fucking serial killer. And I got away from him. (laughs) And this is exactly who I'm picturing now. So I think that's everything that I can think of to talk about right now. Although I could probably talk for another hour because there's so many pieces to this. Please, please do your own research. Come back at me and tell me if you have proof that it's someone else. I lived this for the last month and there is nothing else that made sense to me no it's always been the brother for me and I know that some podcasts out there are afraid to say what they think obviously we're not so hope you enjoyed hearing our (laughs) very candid thoughts you put it out there people get to make opinions yep sorry hopefully Burke Ramsey's not listening and finding out where we live (laughs) (laughs) Kendra we don't live anywhere we live in space John Ramsey is still out there today pushing the fact that the Boulder police did nothing to help and that the family was always the target and that they let a murderer get off. He is still out there saying and he is pushing right now for DNA to be tested and he's saying DNA is what will solve this case. I do not agree. Mm -mm. And I think he knows. He knows. He's in the cahoots with the DA. The DA knew that DNA was not going to solve anything. And so that's why he's saying such bullshit. And they know they can't prosecute Burke Ramsey now. Even as a 36-year-old that he is today, Burke Ramsey cannot be convicted for something he did when he was nine years old. So there is no justice for this case. No, not unless he commits another crime. Anyway, it's Burke. I don't know who else it would be. I don't know who else it would be either. Every single person could be right that's the whole point of this and that's why nothing's ever been solved but i think the most clear and logical person is burke everything about this was sloppy yes poor little girl lost her life for no reason she was only six years old and if she was being 
molested either by her dad or her brother or both like this poor little thing. Yeah. She was clinging to her mom. Yeah, that tells me that she didn't trust anything. When a child starts to cling to one parent, it's because they don't feel safety anywhere else. Patsy was her safe place. And then Patsy was forced to do something she didn't want to do, but it was her child as well. What are you supposed to do? There were some books released by the family People also use this as proof that Burke was involved somehow because they said that Patsy and John went overboard in the book talking about how much Burke loved his sister. And they made all of these stories about these like sweet brother sister things that they would do. And Uh. family friends are like, no, they didn't. It's like they were embellishing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah to make everybody be like no they were like the perfect little brother sister combo he would never hurt her this is like the most famous murder in america and it probably has the biggest following of any case out there till the end of time i think because i don't think it will ever be solved and because it is a beautiful little perfect white girl she was gorgeous we can't forget the fact that she was just a little six-year-old she wasn't this beauty queen that we see out there She was a normal six-year-old child that enjoyed going out and playing. She just got a bike for Christmas. Literally 363 days out of that year, she didn't look like the picture you guys are looking at. Exactly. All the time. She got dressed up. The rest of it, she was just little John Bonet. And a lot of people say if she had not been the little pageant queen with like 100 pictures for the media to sell, it would have this not. case would have never blown no, up the way that it never, did. Because this happens all the time. There is also a lot of speculation that if the media had stayed the fuck out of this case, it could have been solved years ago. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the media came in and the Ramseys got the PR involved and everything was just blown out of proportion that made the stakes even higher. The Boulder Police Department and and the district attorney's office were under intense scrutiny from the press in ways that you're not usually under for cases. There was too much given to this case to allow it to ever follow the procedure it needed to to actually be solved. Mm-hmm. Many people will say if there is one case that they could have the answer to, it would be this one. John's in his 70s now. Yeah, on his deathbed. Patsy didn't say anything on her deathbed. Yeah, but she was different. She was dying from cancer. She had been through so much turmoil and all of this was still going on. But John, this has been many, 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 many years later. Does he have a really good relationship with Burke? There is nothing about that. And here's the other thing. I think that's why maybe it's on his deathbed. Here's the other thing, though, about John is if John was molesting Burke... John's Mm -hmm. not going to admit anything because that's going to come out on him. There is also thought that when John passes away, Burke will speak. Mm. Who knows? Maybe it's because John is funding Burke's way of living at the moment. And when he dies, Burke is not the inheritor. And then he will speak. We'll see. This is a crazy fucking tale of tales. One little girl's life was lost, but we'll see what happens. Well, that's everything, like I said, that I had. We're going to wrap this up. You know what we think because we've gone on about it. But thank you all for listening. <laughs> this is the craziest case. I need to like decompress from John Bonet and move on to something happier. All I know is a beautiful little girl who had a lot of light to give to the world was taken out much yeah. too soon. And we'll never know what she could have done. 
No. So many emotions on this case. But thank you for bringing this to us. This is a monster case. It to was cover. a monster case to cover. And you decided to take it on. I'm like, Kendra, do you know what you're going for? No, I and don't. <laughs> I had I no like, idea. I can't do that right now. <laughs> and I'm not going to do another big case for a while because this was draining, but also very fulfilling in a way. This is why we do this podcast is because even cases that have been done a thousand times, yeah. we want to talk about it. And we know that you guys want to talk about it and you want to hear what other people think. And sometimes it validates what you think. Hopefully we did that today. Or maybe we convinced some of you who thought that an intruder came in that maybe that wasn't what happened. Or maybe those of you who think that it was always Patsy, maybe we gave you the human side of her that you never considered. I like that too. Our plan was to not do any more two-parters, but it's gone, <laughs> Benet. We kind of get this done in one. So thank you for sticking with us and listening for two weeks in a row to finish this case. We thought we could do it. And I was looking at the time. I'm like, not going to happen. If you had somehow made this into one episode... I was going to be like, you're missing things, Kendra. Don't feel like I missed things because we could go on all day. But I did tell you yesterday that I had 35 pages of notes. I know. <laughs> which is the most I've ever had on any episode. We can't promise we'll never have another two-parter because I'm sure there's going to be other big cases we want to cover. It's all because of YouTube. We have that three-hour limit. And so yep. we don't want to be able to post in one platform and not another. So we want to do it the same everywhere. So you know where to find us. I'll have some things out about John Bonet on Instagram. We're on YouTube, as we just mentioned, Facebook and TikTok, all under at Lucid Lab Podcast, one word. Please send in your lab reports, your personal stories. Does not matter what it is. Spooky, goofy, aliens. Shit Creepy. Like, shit like this. You know a Santa Claus that murdered someone? Let Sad. us know. Yeah, scary. <laughs> Lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon if you want to go on and be part of the Lab Rat Clan. Anything and everything is appreciated. It's like any other social site, but you can follow it like Instagram, anywhere, yeah. like TikTok. Just go be a part of that if you're going to support us. Yes. Just, just be a number because it matters. It does matter. We're just still in the beginning stages and we want to keep doing this forever. And with that, we look forward to seeing you next Tuesday with an all new case. And in the meantime, just stay lucid. We'll see you soon. Bye. Adios, muchachos. Mm -hmm.